station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Indeed, a good morning to our listeners to 91.3 FM, focusing indeed Nur Dahil, the light within. And the kind focus is the program that we're about to start now. We have Marana Sim Kasim online with us, that is the uh, first national deputy chairperson of SANZAV, and um, of South Africa, that is African National Zakafan, that is short for SANZAV Western Cape, and a face based NGO in existence for 45 years or over 45 years. Marana currently serves as a member of the International Zakaf Forum, and Marana is also a certified marriage officer and commissioner of oath and the Imam at the Siddiqui Masjid as well. Then coming to Fairus Mohammed, a national Zakat chairperson. Uh, Fairus currently serves as a national Zakat chairperson and uh, she has uh, also served as the organization's national treasurer six years while serving as the an active regional Western Cape executive member for the past 11 years. She has spent most of her professional career at KPMG where she finished her articles and headed up one of the advisory business units in non-profit, owner management and medium enterprise sectors. Ferris Mohammed is a role model to her four children and is house mom by preference. Optimistic uh, problem solving and disposition um, is indicative of her passion to assist Sanzaf with her skills and expertise as a chartered accountant. To my special guests online, Maulana and yourself, Ferris, a warm welcome once again to the kind focus and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi Shukran so much for availing yourselves once again and we trust that you are well in the fourth day of the month of Ramadan. Alfan, alfan, thousand, thousand times, alhamdulillah, for allowing us to be alive and seeing another Ramadan in our lifetime. SubhanAllah. Ferris, you also wanted to add to that? No, uh, it's not and I always says exactly what I want to say. So, <laughs> Alhamdulillah. <laughs> I see you in tune, on beat, you know, starting at the same time as well. So I'm going to call a name before I'm going to ask a question since we are online to our listeners. This is a rather interactive program. So if you have any questions, you must welcome to pose it via WhatsApp at 0722380712047913. That is our SMS line. Ferris, could you perhaps give us an update on Sands of Nationally um, sense of nationally and what is happening in the rest of the country as well. Um, yesterday, Aisha, our Ramadan programs are now in full swing, alhamdulillah. All regions distributing our Ramadan hampers to raise the car recipients on file. Our Ramadan program kicked off with a vicar on Thursday, broadcasted on both radio stations last week, alhamdulillah. Um, we also launched our new MyZakar app and our virtual volunteer to get the public involved um, in our initiatives and more on a digital platform as well. Our COVID-19 appeals are still ongoing as the need uh, continues to grow. Still a week before the government social grant plays out and there are many uh, still seeking food relief. 
So we request the public to please continue to assist that initiative. Significant focus for changes specifically during the month uh, of Ramadan is our focus on Dakar education and advocacy. We are running weekly radio shows focusing on Dakar with opportunities for listeners to call in with the questions like we have now currently. We have webinars and also our Sunday Dakar in Focus Q&A program that just happened uh, two days ago on ITV. This is also designed to assist the public in calculating their Dakar. Also, any questions can also be directed via our website on our Click the Ask Molina button on our Sandsit website homepage on www.sandsit.org.za. And all our social media persons are very active at the moment with Ramadan appeals, encouraging the listeners to pay their fitra, fidya, and zakah during this uh, auspicious month, inshallah. We have a huge task to perform for our annual fitra hampers. Um, and we anticipate many more who are fasting this year will not be able to have a proper meal on the day of Eid, uh, uh, to mark that special occasion, even under lockdown. Last year, we assisted over 23,000 families nationally, and we definitely anticipate that this year the need will be even greater. So we need the public support. The Tans have also made our online payments much more convenient with a number of options from EFTs, bank deposits, online donations, and payment via our app. Inshallah. Inshallah. Maulana, would you love to give us an update on Sands of Western Cape's activities, Inshallah? Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen, wa usalli wa usallimu ala ashrafil mursaleen. Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala adi wa sahbi ajma'in. Shukran, anti Aisha. You know, it is for us, a, I think, a great pleasure to be involved in this khidmat of the ummah. Uh, we have so far almost going to our 8,000 parcels already been given. Our, we have somebody gave our, we bought uh, vegetable packs, uh, boxes of vegetables, and just gone over, over, over to 800 already. We are doing the government uh, uh, disaster, uh, disaster management or the Department of Social Development. We have gone with them also almost about 4,000 parcels. Then we are running every time our feeding schemes from the northern suburbs to the southern suburbs, which is played even into the townships. All these things are running every day, every day, every day. So, uh, alhamdulillah, I can only say that we are fortunate to be able to uh, be part of this beautiful khidmat for Deen and see to the creation of our Muslim brothers in our citizens of South Africa. Alhamdulillah. I'm coming back to Fairuz. Can you please give us a recap of last week, inshallah? Last week we actually had a very long interactive um, session, alhamdulillah. And we basically discussed the four conditions that has to be met before the car's due on anyone's wealth. Um, and just briefly, we spoke about Nisab, which is the minimum surface wealth anybody needs to hold. And I think last week it was 6,400 rand. We spoke about the whole condition, which means you need to hold that missile for at least 12 Islamic uh, calendar months. The third condition was that you, you should ownership, where you need to actually own and have absolute ownership of the, of the wealth. And the fourth condition was growth, where the wealth that you have needs to grow or has potential to grow. And the fifth element we spoke about wasn't necessarily a condition, but something that you need to... Uh, take cognizant of is the fact that we need to um, 
be mindful of when you're purchasing the asset, what your intention is at the time, because that will determine whether it actually belongs to part of your accountable wealth or not, because there are certain assets, obviously, that are not classified as accountable wealth. We also need to talk about the method of uh, calculation of the car, um, and um, we have various categories of wealth or assets, um, and it is less in immediate liabilities, and that is multiplied by 2.5%. We also discussed how the 2.5% is actually supported by various khalid. Uh, we then also discussed those assets which are specifically excluded from which you pay the car on, and those are, for example, the personal assets, we looked at property, the property you live in, the furniture, the vehicles, the vehicles that you consume or drive on a daily basis, um, or if you set that that's used on a, on a personal consumption. We spoke about uh, whether it's valuable paintings. Um, and then we also indicated that irrespective of the value of all of these personal assets, you don't pay the car on them. So say, for example, you may drive um, or own just a uh, 1 million rand house compared to a 15 million. Irrespective of the value, if you consume it for personal use, it's not surcountable. Um, and then we also mentioned specifically around the home, or property at least, that there are three different reasons why you actually would acquire property, um, and, and your intention could be personal use, which you just indicated, then for uh, as in a uh, long-term investment, and then also possibly as a development or you're in the property of buying and selling. And those, obviously, all of them are uh, regarded differently in terms of um wealth and how it's calculated. We spoke about another category of, first of um, assets that's not uh, included as a wealth, which is your capital assets or what we call tools of trade. Then also walk-off assets, um, obviously, for example, like a masjid or anything that is walk-off properties. Any unlawful assets like interest and gambling that needs to be excluded from any of your walls because you don't pay the car on them. Um, and then certain metals and stones like platinum and diamonds. And then we also spoke about um, various accountable assets. Um, and we just highlighted that they have different missiles and holes that, pretty, that you possibly just need to uh, consider. And what we will basically speak about are those liquid assets, because most people generally own liquid assets. And when we say liquid assets, we're referring to those uh, like money, silver, gold, debtors, business assets, etc. And then some other assets, uh, livestock, um, which include sheep, cows, and camels, and that is uh, calculated around about 5%. Um, we have agricultural products like wheat, barley, and dates. And that is at a rate between 5 and 10%, and the whole for that is actually, it doesn't have necessarily a, a whole cycle, but it's actually calculated when it's harvested. And then you have minerals, minerals as well as heating pressures, like crude oil or gas, and that's calculated at 20%. And then we basically just started on some liquid assets, which we will be focusing on today. So we had a very productive, alhamdulillah, session last week, and I trust bring the, the listeners and learn something. Um, and they can please send me the questions if I needed to, if need to clarify anything again, inshallah. Indeed, on that note, Marlon and Ferris will go for an ad. Our listeners, do stay tuned and get your questions coming in via 0722-380712. Stay tuned. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Nurudahil. The Light Within. Assalamu alaikum and 
Reader, warm welcome to your program, Nurdahila. In this program, focusing on Zakai in focus with Hasim Malana, uh, the Hasim Kasim, as well as um, where Fairuz Muhammad. Um, Malana, let's dig in deeper a little bit uh, when we start with money. What constitutes um, money and how do we calculate Zakai on it? Okay, Bishwana Rahman Rahim. You know, money, anything near to money. Money isn't only a range and sense. All your foreign currency is money. All your shares that you have is also money. All the uh, unit trust and uh, uh, investments is all money. All that together, your money in the bank, your money in the investment, your money you put into unit trust, the money you put in your buy shares, it is all calculated as money. So the, the money you pay once a year, you're two and a half percent. So, for example, now you will find out you have unit trust. So you find out what is the value of my unit trust at a particular time. What is my value of my shares which I have in this, this company or that company, right? As long as it's in halal companies. That all constitutes uh, as money, as currency, and, and that you pay your two and a half percent on once a year, uh, at the time of your time of your zakah being due. Okay, shukran Malana. First, Malana mentioned unit trust. So let us speak about you know listed shares and unit trust. How would you calculate the value of these? Uh, Aisha, so with listed and unit trust, um, it works. For example, where you possibly could have the intention of acquiring it for two different reasons. The first one could be of a long-term uh, investment point of view. Uh, where, for example, you just have listed shares, um, you have a broker that maybe you bought shares on a particular stock exchange or in a particular company, and you keep that for about two, four, two to five years for the intention of obviously for it to increase in wealth or for you to get a return uh, from that on a monthly basis. And the other intention would be, for example, where you then acquire for more of a speculative purposes, where you're actually trading in these uh, shares, in a trust, where you buy and sell them. And um, where something is, for example, both is calculated at two and a half percent. However, the calculation of the value of it at um, your valuation date is slightly different in that if you're just holding it for a long-term investment, it's at that valuation date, whatever the value market value of the shares are. The other speculative purpose, um, however, is now classified as stock, which means it's also calculated um, at market value, but it's now classified as stuff. It's classified more just from a different category of wealth, uh, but also based on the value of what that stuff is. Alhamdulillah. Malana, what about policies like endowment policies? Are these accountable as well? Do you have Malana still with us? Fairus, are you with okay, us? Okay, yeah, yes, yeah. Malana. Fairus can do the policies. She knows it very well. Okay, Fairus, I think Malana wants okay. you to. <laughs> Okay. Shukran, Nolana, not a problem. Okay, so when it comes to endowment policy, here we speak specifically, for example, and we, we generally clarify it with an example. So, endowment policy is generally where you save towards particular events. So, we look at uh, what happens a lot today is that women, for example, or families save towards a child's education. So, they contribute monthly towards this endowment policy um, for a period of what, 10, 12 years, and at the end, when the, when the child is around about the age of 18, because it's generally for the higher education, 
they then get uh, a lump sum for the education of, of this beneficiary. So the question is, does the person that pays the monthly uh, premiums to this endowment policy pay on the value of this policy? And if you look at the conditions of, of the car, the first one is uh, we look at the Nisab. So generally when you contribute, it gets to a point where we'll reach Nisab, I think, after about two years. We also reach the condition of hold. For example, you have to hold it for 12 uh, Islamic months. So generally after one year or after the second year, you then have the hold um, as well because the Nisab is reached at that point in time as well. The third condition is uh, ownership. Now, this is the condition that it actually doesn't meet. Because when we look at the endowment policy, in whose name is this policy? Does the person that pays the premium, do they have ownership of this policy? And the answer to that is no, because it's not, it may be in their name. For example, they hold it because maybe the child is a minor, so they can't own, uh, the policy can't be in their name. But technically, they don't really own that policy because the beneficiary is that ownership of that policy. And then, if you do pay towards an endowment policy, it is excluded from your accountable wealth. Okay. Um, Ferut, this one I think is also for you. A very topical chapter on Zakah mm-hmm. is that of pensions and provident retirement annuities. What is the difference of these and how does one calculate your Zakah on them? Okay, the, the listeners start on because that's generally the next topic around um, after we do we deal with endowment policies. Yes. So if I can speak about pension and provident and retirement annuities and the differences there are is very much around the the compulsory versus voluntary nature of, of the policy. And when we look at pension and provident funds specifically, and remember, these are all forms of savings uh, as for a means of a future annuity at the time of uh, retirement. So when we look at pension and provident funds, they generally come into place because of a compulsory nature due to a condition of employment. So when you start an employment, we generally say that, well, because you're going to start with this company, they contribute a certain percentage and you have to contribute a certain percentage towards particular pension or provident fund. Because that, because of that nature of contract, you don't have a choice to say, no, I don't want to belong to this provident or pension fund. Um, it's part of your condition of employment. So the value of that policy every single year is excluded from your, your accountable wealth because it doesn't mean it has temporary ownership because it's in your name, like the endowment policy, but you don't have access to that policy until you reach the age of retirement. So because of that condition of employment and because of that inaccessibility of the funds, you don't pay the car on um, that valuation of that policy until actually you get a payout. When you do get a payout, so this is where the, the technical part comes in, when you do reach the age of retirement, what, ha- what generally happens is the government is now putting very strict uh, regulations around receiving your pension and provident funds because they obviously want you to live off your retirement um, and pension and not where you receive the entire lump sum, you spend it in the next year or two and then you become a SASA beneficiary or recipient. So what they now have done is they give you only a third of your lump sum if it's anything more than 247,500 then they will pay out the entire lump sum. If it's more than that, they keep the rest um, and it will be continued in a policy of which you will receive a monthly annuity going forward. However, when you receive that one third, that's the only part that actually you will have access to. 
And if you have never had Nisar before, now your hole would actually start once you receive that bird. The others, because of the condition of employment, because we don't have any access to that two-thirds that will continue, will continue to run and we don't pay the car on the, on the rest. You'll only pay the car on the third that you've received if you still have it in your possession every single year going forward. Okay. The retirement annuities, Auntie Aisha, it's different in that this was a voluntary um, decision that you've made because it was discretionary. You decided to put this either a, a premium every, every month you decided to contribute or you decided to put a lump sum into a retirement annuity policy for the time that when you retire. Because as a savings scheme, you're obviously going to either spend the money instead of investing it in property or in, in shares or even in the bank, you decided to put it in an RA. And because you made the decision to put it in an RA, you will pay Saka on that policy every single year. Because remember, if it had been um, invested in a in unit trust, for example, you would have had to pay the car on the unit trust. But because you decided to put it in an RA, you will pay the car every single year on the value of that RA at your valuation date. So just a question, you've mentioned the one third that's paid, um, you know, to the recipient, uh, that is your, your pension fund, basically. So, yeah. um, and, and I think yeah, people would want to know, because they were aware that that money's were there, but it was in their possession, and you've mentioned that you, they don't have to pay on it, but they feel that they need, they, the need to pay, is it's not compulsory, but can they pay, even though, you know, you mentioned um, that you, you have to have a hold, it has to have the, be, you know, that that amount have, will have to be in your bank for um, a full 12 months that is a yearly calendar month or year rather well and i said wouldn't they be technically regarded as as a car because remember it wasn't due on them mm-hmm. so it could be classified if they, if they receive a lump sum and i think people generally do that is that when they receive such a huge uh, amount of, of of cash they generally feel that they want to give some as a sort of car they want to give back yes. to somebody in need or to a community that's really um uh, either doing some sort of projects or whatever they're involved in for the, for the benefit of the, of the community, then absolutely. Because sometimes people feel that that is, even though they, I mean, they, they're alive and they're receiving that lump sum, as, as, as a reward or gratitude, at least one would say, of, of the fact that they've received it, they somehow give sadaqa from that, from that wealth. It technically wouldn't be regarded as a club because there isn't a card due on that wealth, but they can obviously, and I would encourage them, them to pay sadaqa as a means of gratitude. Because that is what sadaqa, um, the, one of the, the uh, reasons of sadaqa, what it does. It purifies, but also there is some sense of gratitude when you do pay sadaqa to the zakir, which is the mizaki, which is the sadaqa payer. Because in, in essence, all wealth belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you pay sadaqa, it is wealth that technically doesn't belong to you because it belongs to those uh, eight categories uh, of, of beneficiaries that Allah has ordained in Surah Tawbah verses 60. Um, but it is a means of showing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that wealth or money is, I think what they say, what they call people's apple of the eye, because wealth has power. And giving of that away, which means that's what Allah has ordained for you to give away to, to those individuals, is show some gratitude and your above all the wealth, love for the wealth is your love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So give if you do have and give and Allah I think mentioned it last week that giving of sadaqah is that charity of the heart. 
it is going beyond the call of duty because the car is a duty upon you, is a debt that you need to pay. But giving of sadaqa is that extra charity that you give because um, it is a charity you feel um, that is from the heart. Okay. Fair is still on, um, I think, uh, unit trust. This one is a question that says, I've got a unit trust account. Up until last year, I've um, paid Zakah on the full amount. Is that correct? Or must I pay a, the difference between last year's value and this year's value? And um, um, yes, I think that, is, that was the question. Okay. So what happened every single year? You actually just calculate the value of what the valuation of that share is. So if last year the valuation of your share was 2,000 rand, this year, because remember, Zakai is, is levied or is due on wealth that you own, not on the percentage difference, not on the increase. Although what we technically say is that Zakai is actually, actually gets paid out from the, from the growth of that uh, uh, share. So say for example, it was 2,000 rand last year. This year it's now 3,000 rand. Remember, the two and a half percent technically comes from the growth of that of that unit trust. So, if you look at, although you have to include the entire value of the unit trust, three thousand rand, there's a cut. Two and a half percent will actually be paid out of the thousand rand growth, not technically from the capital, because the purpose of the car is never to decrease the wealth of the capital, because the capital will will still be intact, and technically the two and a half percent will be on that. 50% growth, because remember from 2000 to 3000 was a 50% growth, and the 2.5% comes from that 50% growth, technically. But when you do your calculation in accumulation of all your wealth, you have to add the 3000 rand and not the 1000 rand growth of the increasing share of that value. Okay. On that note, listeners, we are going to go for ads. We see that the questions are coming in as well, so we will tackle your questions as well. Do stay tuned. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Nur Dahil. The light within. Welcome to our program this morning with Zakai in Focus. We have Marana Asim Kasim online with us as well as Fairuz Mohammed. And uh, we have a question here first. And I think this one is probably for you. Um, please explain if Zakai is only payable if you earn more than the Nisab. Is it okay if you give your interest money, which is not a Zakai, to an organization like Gift of the Givers to utilize the interest money in a manner that can be of use to others? You're going to Aisha. So there's two parts to this question. Yes. The first question is, Zakai is not due on an income that you receive. So say, for example, the listeners, the listeners, the listener is saying that do they pay on if um, they earn more than the nisab? Because remember, if you utilize your entire um, income, then you don't pay Zakai on the utilization of the fact that it's gone. Um, the car is due on savings. So it's got to be money that you haven't spent, don't need, haven't used. It's either in the bank or under the mattress or in the safe somewhere. But it's basically wealth. That's why it's called surplus wealth. Because it's not meant on wealth that you're going to consume. So if the listener is, a, for example, a salary earner who earns 6,500 rand a month, but the expenses comes to 6,000 rand and they save 500 rand. Once they reach the Nisab only, and the Nisab is the savings, so 500 for a period of what, uh, seven or eight months, 
when they reached the Nishab, that is the date that they were going to calculate the, the car valuation date every single year. But it wouldn't be that date for the first time, and it would be the following year. Because remember, that 6,500 has to wait for 12 months. But it's not based on earnings. So if you're earning 6,500 and you're spending 6,500, then you don't pay the car on the salary that you earn. You don't pay on anything if you actually consume it or use it. Okay. And in terms of the second part of the question, in terms of the interest, um, absolutely, because remember, you're not allowed to use the interest money because it's, it's haram money. As long as you don't benefit indirectly from that interest, because what generally people do is they say, can or ask, can they pay, for example, their domestic worker with the interest money that they earn? And the answer is no, because technically you are benefiting by paying your domestic worker through her work um, uh, that, you sh- that you will be performing on your behalf. So the answer is no, and the listener is quite right in that. Pay it to an organization, um, and it, you have to indicate that it's interest because they will then utilize that interest for certain projects that doesn't utilize the car. Okay. And um, they usually need up those kind of funds as well. Shukran, Fairus Malana. Can you pay zakah to a masjid? It's important we, okay. we, we, for the masjid, it must be for what of the masjid? Do we pay uh, to subsidize the, the madrasa, children's school fees? Do we pay to subsidize the, the work of the imam if the imam is not, if the imam is zakatable? But you can't pay it to build the masjid or to maintain the masjid or to uh, paint the masjid. You can't use zakah. Zakah goes to individuals with the Quran. If all the, all the ayahs and all the masarif, all the recipients of zakah in the Quran is mentioned and the personal noun. You know, miskin, masakin, somebody that is poor. Fukara, fakir, is people that are poor. Amilun. People who distribute the zakah, the zakah, rari mean those who are in debt. It is all animate objects. It goes to people. It can't go to body of a masjid, of a body of a hospital. Some ulama says it can be used. Most of the ulama says it must go to the, the people. And nowadays, because the need of poverty, because of the due to poverty and to our uh, lockdown. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put it prioritize who comes first into the receiving of zakah. Alhamdulillah. Fairus, just before we go, Fairus, this one speaks about the wealth of children. Does one pay zakah on the wealth of children? So maybe I should just clarify it in, from the question that we had earlier when I talked about that endowment policy. Yes. And I may have, I clarified it from the point of view of the person paying the premium. The, the other question we, we, we tend to need to answer is, well, then who pays on that endowment policy? Because if the, the minor child is the, the owner then technically of that endowment policy, do they pay the car on that, on that uh, policy? And here, um, Auntie Aisha, with the rules of the car, um, it's obviously based on Quran and Sunnah, as well as in the interpretations of our jurors, which is the former Gahib, just to clarify that we get various opinions and views on the car. And this is one of them, where there are two views um, on the wealth of children, in terms of Imam Shafi'i, um, who is of the view that we pay the car on the wealth of a child, because the car is due on any um, individual, Muslim individual. However, Imam Abu Hanifa was of the view that 
you do not pay the car on the wealth of a child because the child has not reached Baliach, he's not um, reached puberty as yet. So if you're following the, the Hanafi Mazab or the Shafi Mazab, you then have to follow that rule um, where it indicates either you pay on the child, uh, uh, wealth or not. The child, obviously, as uh, heir, or not as an heir, or as a guardian of uh, a minor child, it then becomes the responsibility of that guardian to pay the zakah for a follower of the Hanafi Madhad. But they do pay. I think that's Inshallah. This one says, do I pay zakah on the extra money I pay into my bond? Is it the only property? It is the only property. No, because remember, when you're paying to a, a bond is a debt that you owe. So when you paying money to your bond, remember you unless you have um, you can remove that money again. But technically, what most people do is they pay additional money towards the reduction of capital because at the end of the day, your entire what 20, 30 years generally is around um, paying of interest. So the more cash they have, excess cash, they generally try and reduce the capital of that bond, which, which is uh, a very good encouragement, especially from a debt uh, point of view, then no, you do not pay zakah on the money if you've spent it towards that intention at the reduction of the capital. However, sometimes what happens is that you have an excess bond where you pay money in with the intention that you want to somehow take it back um, within another uh, 50 or 60 days, just so with the intention of saving your, your from your interest if that is your intention because remember you could have put that money in the bank but generally people don't do that it is to reduce your your capital uh from your bond then no you do not pay the car on it because remember now it's just another expenditure that you've spent and you don't have the wealth any longer so you don't pay the car on that and shukran fairies will go first we'll be back right after this listeners do stay tuned the voice of the cape 91.3 FM Stereo Nurudahil The Light Within Assalamualaikum indeed Welcome to Nurudahil The Light Within And this is Zakai in Focus With Malana Sim Qasim As well as Fadus Muhammad Malana, would you love to explain to our listeners um, Zakai on gold and silver And especially jewelry Because there was a question that says My husband bought me um, jewelry on my wedding day um, So do I pay Zakai on it? Okay, so now always want to know that according to Shafi, you don't pay on any personal jewelry. Whether you wear it once every 10 years, once every 500 years, any jewelry which is used for personal need, you don't pay according to Shafi. Uh, and according to Abu Hanifa, those Hanafi people, they pay zakah on jewelry as long as it's more than 14 carats. Right, number one. Number two, only gold and silver. No, you don't pay on your diamonds, you don't pay on the pearls, you don't pay on the any other way. You only pay on the on the on the gold and silver which is more than fourteen carats. Then also when the people normally have much gold, you know you work for the company and they gave you twenty five years, they gave you a gold coin or a silver coin, whatever it is, that you pay Hanafi Shafi, you pay, everybody pays on gold and silver, all right? And that is according to the, to the value of the gold in the coin or, or, or the silver in the coin. Then, when we have the, the, this particular 
jewelry of the family. He must not have the family jewelry. When every, every time somebody gets married, they use this jewelry for the bride and all those things. It becomes family jewelry. If you call Shafi'i, you don't pay at all. If you call to Hanafi, you pay under value. Everyone or the one who owns it, that one has to pay the zakah on the jewelry. Shukran for that one, Maulana. I'm smiling here because I think everybody would want to know so who's the owner of it so that the owner can pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, think, um, I maybe just add something quickly just yes, to clarify or to guide uh, the women who do have jewelry how to basically just uh, evaluate them or get evaluation done. Mm-hmm. So what we advise them to do is to, because when you have certain jewelry, remember it doesn't contain just gold, there's elements of other metals to make sure that obviously it retains its shape. So what you need to do is, because remember it is, it's based on the grams of just gold. It's not based on um, the grams of the entire jewelry um, piece, if you want to call it. Okay. So what they need to do is they need to take the jewelry to a reputable jeweler, and the jeweler will actually then just... Uh, uh, remove, you want to say remove, the, the, the part of what the gold is. So it would say, for example, it will split them up in the various categories, 22 carats or 14 carats or 24 carats, I don't know if you can make sure it was 24 carats, and it will then just tell you what the grams of that gold is, and they only need to do this once. We don't need to take the jewelry to the jeweler every single year. We just need to take it to the jeweler once, and the jeweler will, will determine what the gold element is, and they need to write that grams down. So what they do every year is, they, because remember the rate of gold per gram changes every every time. So every year at their valuation date, they take the grams, for example, it could be uh, 40 grams times the rate of gold uh, at that particular day, and they get the value of the, of the jewelry. However, that grams only changes either once they give jewelry away or sell it, or when they add anything back on. So they then obviously just take that one piece of, of jewelry to the jeweler, and get the value, and get the value, or at least the, the content of that one gra- of that one piece, and add it onto the list, um, as opposed to having the good jewelry weight every single year. So that's the easiest way for them to do it. Okay, Fairuz, what if someone w- was meant to pay the zakah, but now have been laid off or business has been really bad? What should they do? Can they hold back on zakah and use it for future expenses? Shukran, Asha. This is actually a very topical question, and it may apply to actually to a lot of individuals because um, they may be now either laid off or they, they may be in a position where business is not so good or they foresee uh, huge expenses of which they're not going to receive adequate income. So what we generally tell or advise is that, remember, for the card to be due today, your wealth must have laid down or also laid down, it must have been as, uh, in your position for at least 12 months. So now when you're doing a calculation and you now realize that with your car being only 2.5% by the way, um, you may need that money, you now need to consider the fact that that value that you need to pay is actually classified as a debt because it's not something that you're still going to earn. That calculation is based on wealth that's already been laying for 12 months and has now turned into debt. What we advise the, the individual is to say, well, look at your expenses and from the debt that you owe, see what you can pay, um, what you're able to pay and pay that now. Once you reach a point where cash flow is slightly a bit better, you then pay the difference. However, that 
the car will still be classified as dead. And only once you actually discharge of all that debt will it be regarded as discharged. So you can pay in terms of currently what you can afford right now and keep the other debt until once you're more uh, accessible to cash or you have more of a better cash flow and then pay the difference. But it will be regarded as debt and will be due on your wealth. Okay. I think final question, unfortunately, that we have time for is, Manana, is there any responsibility on the zakah payer to ensure that the zakah has been discharged? This is, this is a vital question. We give to anybody our zakah money uh, and we don't uh, know how much is being dispatched for the uh, army loan and the dispatch for the Fukarah Masakin. You know, so it is your responsibility. Yes, we can say you trust the imam and you trust this organization, you trust everybody, but people need to be accountable, like you are accountable by Allah for your own deeds. You know, so you must make sure that your money is being, dis- is being dispatched, your zakah is being dispatched to the right people, uh, and you can also de- determine how you want your, your zakah to be, to be given and to whom. Secondly, when we do your zakah calculation, you need to know that I, for example, I buy 100,000 rand now. My whole zakah for the whole year is 2,500 rand. It's just in comparison of what I have. I have a 97,500 rand still left. So there's a drop in the ocean. So when you start fearing, be, be assured and paying zakah will actually increase the, the value of your money and the barakah will go into money. Amen. But also, when you give my money away, it's important that we make sure that those whom I'm giving it to must be accountable. There must, must be transparency. Because if they're not transparent to, transparent to you or accountable to you, how will they be able to be accountable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Marana and Fairly Shukran so much for once again, uh, you know, having a program that kind focus on the voice of the Cape. Until we speak again, I will protect and guide us and keep a, a following distance, they say, and keep safe, inshallah. Amen. I mean, I mean, you can do your work. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.